are listening to Hands at Work Audio. For Word and Worship on the 7th of April 2017, Harold Man shares how we can obey the Word of God. At the end of last year, I was reading through the book of Deuteronomy, and um, a few verses in chapter 32 caught my attention. Um, it was one of those passages that when you read it, you stop and you have to reread it again. And then it starts speaking to you. And then, since then, this passage kept on coming back to me. At that time, I asked myself, what does this mean for me for the coming year? That was now 2017. But we're so far in 2017 now. It's nearly 2018, and some of us are planning for 2018. But like I said, um, I found this passage quite speaking to me quite a lot. So it's chapter 32, verses 45 to 47. And after that, I'm just going to read another verse in chapter 30, verse 20. But 45 to 47 reads as follows. Moses finished speaking all these words to, us, to Israel. Now, this is the, the law that he spoke to, um, to Israel. And he said to them, Set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law. For it is not a futile thing for you, because it is your life. And by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. And then just verse 20 of chapter 30, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. So my theme for this morning is obeying the word of God. Um, one English translation says, this is not just idle words. Another, these instructions are not just empty words. So I think we get the idea that what's written in here is important. Both these passages says, it is your life. The Word and God. They cannot be separated. The Gospel of John starts off with the following words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God Himself. But like I said, for a couple of months, that passage I read to you kept on coming back to me. And every time I did something, they came to mind. You know, sometimes when you do something wrong, there's something that speaks to you, that little voice that's asking you, is that what, this what you're supposed to do? And I hope you still have that little voice coming back to you and say, are you sure you're supposed to do this or say this? Following the word leads to life. I remember instances where people would so boldly say, God has led me in this direction. And that's their testimony. God is so great. And they go. And then two weeks later, you find them in the opposite direction, going this way. God all of a sudden led them in a different direction. At one stage, Jesus said to the Pharisees, 
you are wrong. The way you're doing, the way you're thinking. Why? Because first of all, you do not know the scriptures. And second, because you do not know the power of God. For many years, I worked as an artisan. And, um, oh, under an artisan, sorry. I worked as an appy. And then I, for two years in this time, then I was in a training center, and then I was in a plant, working under the artisans, seeing how they did the job that I was learning to do, seeing how they handled crisis situations when, when something tripped, how they went about doing fault finding and all of that. And then at the end of two years, I got my, my papers that said, you can go and work alone. But I had that paper. And then all of a sudden, I found myself alone in the plant where I was working. And as I was struggling doing everything alone now, I realized that the past two years of studying in a training center, working under people, um, studying long hours, wasn't in vain. Everything I learned there, everything I practiced for two years, I had to take that knowledge and apply it now to what I was to commit myself for the rest of my life. And in the same way, I would say our daily reading of a word is not in vain. It is not just a, a ritual that you follow in the morning. This is what I'm doing because I have to do it. This is what a Christian do. To be honest, some mornings there's something you, you read and it's like, you didn't understand, or there's nothing that jumped out. But at some stage, that comes back to you. Now, with this in mind, I would like to share three points with you in the morning, of this morning, but I found myself challenged in three different areas in my life. First of all, um, the Word of God leads us to be thankful and give Him praise. Secondly, the Word of God cuts deep and it hurts. And then thirdly, the word of God challenges us to move on. Now the word of God leads us to be thankful and give him praise. And I'd like to read another scripture from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, but he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, as he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God, except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. When Jesus came to a certain town, ten men approached him, all lepers. And as we've seen so many times, they stand, stand 
afar off and shout to him, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And the only words Jesus says to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now on the way, they see they, they are healed. Some of us would say, wow, we are healed, look at this. And they, and they all went and did the religious thing, the thing that was right, what they were told to do, to go and show themselves to the priests. But there's one that turned around, a Samaritan, that came to thank Jesus, to praise, to worship, worship him for what he's done. I was thinking of his beliefs. When you look at his beliefs, the Samaritan, it's not that you could just take a file and just take off the rough edges. But with him, you would have to take off big chunks. That far, his beliefs, his, his um, religion, was different from the Jews. When I looked at this in my own life, I realized that I was also a leper. On my way um, to be always separated from God. But in his mercy, he came and he saved me. He made me part of his family. And so many times we forget what God has done for us. Not that we have to live in that guilt, what I was. But God has forgiven me and he's given me a new life. Not only something to look forward to, but what I can live today. Only one man came back to Jesus to fall at his feet and worship and praise him. Do you remember the parable that Jesus um, told the people about two men owing the king money? And the king said, okay, I write your debt off. You can go free. And then Jesus asked the bystanders, who do you say was more thankful? And they answered, the one that owed more. And this morning, do you realize that you owed more? That God has forgiven you much. I was challenged when I came and I saw that sometimes I just forget about this. I just live as if. But God is has brought me into his family, made me part, and given me a new life. Instead of death waiting for me, like I said, a new life is waiting for me. Now, do you realize how wide and big the grace of God is for you? This brings me to my second point. The word of God cuts deep and it hurts. Now, I'm going to give a few examples and then I'm going to share where it cut me deep. Um, the Word of God shows us our faults and our sins. One such a passage is where is, um, David and Bathsheba. Uh, the prophet Nathan comes to them, to David, and he speaks to, them, to him in 2 Samuel 12, verse 9. And Nathan says to him, Why did you despise the Word of God by doing evil? We all know that story. I'm sure I don't need to. <coughs> through his actions, David rejected God. Many times through my actions, my sin, I reject God. Sometimes it's not the things that we do, but the things we neglect to do. 
because the New Testament goes as far to say, for him that knows to do good and does not do it, for him it is sin. But when we find um, David reacting or responding in verse 13, I have sinned against God. When the word cuts deep, you have two, or God speaks, you've got two choices. It can either cut deep or it can just be shallow. When it cuts deep, you repent of your sins. But when it's shallow, it didn't do any cutting, you admit to it. Compare that now to Matthew 27.4, where Jesus said, I have betrayed innocent blood. He admitted it, but he didn't go to God to confess it. Another example of cutting deep is found in Samuel 2.29. And God is talking here to Eli the priest. Both his sons were priests at that time. And there was a certain ritual that had to happen when the um, all the people had to bring offerings. And one of it was that they had to bring a fork, um, the, the priests, and they could get the meat that was sacrificed. Now, I'm sure eating boiled meat every day is going to drive everybody up the wall. So somewhere, somebody wants to bribe. Oh, yeah. <coughs> there it is. Thank you, Brucey. So, the priest, Eli's two sons, sent their servants to say, demand the meat before it's sacrificed. And in that action, what, did, what, what does it lead up for the people? Aren't they starting to reject or push away the sacrifice that God has made them to do? Verse 29 reads, and God speaking to Eli, why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I described for my dwelling? And why do you honor your sons more than me? I just want to read it from 1 Kings 1, 6. Another example. His father never interfered by asking, why did you do this? Now, this is David I'm talking about. The father of Adonia, and he was the brother of Absalom. Never did David say to him, why are you doing this? Never did his father go up against him. He never confronted him. Now in these two examples, we see that both Eli the priest and David, the man after God's own heart, never taught their sons the way of God. They never spoke, he, he never spoke to them. So when I read these passages, I had to ask myself the question, do I honor my children more than I honor God? Do I allow them certain things to do that they're not supposed to do? Again, the New Testament says, he that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of Jesus, of him. Is there anyone or anything that you love more than Jesus. Any small thing. Your children. Your family. I shared this with a man on Monday, just on a lighter note. And most men, I'm sure, enjoy sports. So sorry, I'm sure the ladies also enjoy sport. And um, 
I'll use rugby, although our rugby team is no good, but we have high hopes for them. Um, the wife of a rugby coach su suspected that he loved rugby way more than he loved her. So she came to him and asked him the question, if it was the final and my funeral was on the same day, would you miss my funeral and go to the final rugby match? And he looked at her and he answered her, what gives you the idea I would schedule your funeral on that <laughs> final day? <laughs> so. But I'd like to, to just share an example in my own life where the word cut deep. Um, a few years ago, I did not agree with what certain leaders said. I stood up and I said, no, that's not the way. Just to find out later that they weren't wrong in everything they said. But in this time, I read um, a couple of verses or from 1 Samuel 24, and I was deeply convicted when I read this. Just to give a background before I read the verse, um, Saul is king of Israel, but God rejected him. He announced and anointed David as the new king, but still Saul is filling the position, but David's actually the king of Israel. And we know the story. As David is fleeing, Saul is behind him, chasing him around the mountain everywhere. And on more than one occasion, we find that David has the opportunity to kill Saul. And, um, and then I read verse 6. And this is now David that speaks. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. When I read that, it like cut me deep. Who am I to speak against my leaders? Or to question them when they do certain things? Is it not God that has placed them over me to guide me and who's, who, has, who he has placed in authority over me? Obey them and pray for them. Instead of fighting and arguing, when the Holy Spirit speaks, Listen, we can save ourselves so much heartache if we just listen and obey when we read words like this. If you take his word seriously, it will <coughs> cut you deeply. And this brings me now to my last point. The word of God challenges us to move on, to have confidence in Christ. Oswald Chambers uses an interesting term. He talks of moving on. Now Hebrews 11.8 reads, He obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Now this is Abram. Now Abram had to move on from everything that was familiar to him. From his family, the place where he lived, his house, all his comforts, his daily routine. I was thinking, our daily routine is nearly like a computer. When you press that button, certain things have to happen. All the drivers kick in, eventually 
the screen for the startup comes in, you type your password in, then it starts up, and then what's the next thing that happens? Your antivirus kicks in, that makes it slow, and then for those that have Apple iTunes, that has to start up, and those that has a stick, that starts up, and those that do Skype, and so we can go on. That's the routine that this computer is going through. Also, with Windows, I'm not going to talk about Mac. That's just another <laughs> headache. With Windows, at some stage, there's some certain updates that happens, and then your computer doesn't want to work. But it has the option that you can go back a couple of updates earlier and reinstall it from there so that it can reboot from where it last functioned normally. And we see that in many ways, we are the same. Looking back at the disciples, they did the same after Jesus died. One morning, Peter wakes up and he says, I'm going fishing. That's what I did my whole life for three years. I didn't do it while Jesus was with us, but now I'm going there. I'm going to reboot to what's comfortable, to what I know, and I'm going to do that. And everybody followed him. They felt safe in doing that. But for us to move on, it's not to do the comfortable thing. It's not to do the thing that you are used to. Your old habits, your old way of doing things and living, it's doing something completely new. When you take a chance and obey God and move on from your old habits, you will experience more of Him in your life. I also shared this on Monday morning with men, but a couple of years ago as well, I was challenged to move on. And like so many of us here have heard, I also said, Lord, I will go anywhere where you sent me. I mean, to the farthest places, to China, I'll go. And when I was challenged in this, I have a habit of speaking to myself uh, out loud. And as I walked in and earnestly prayed and said, Lord, what is this? I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere except, and I said this place name. And as soon as my ears heard that, I realized I'm lying to myself. I will not go to anywhere. I've got my own agenda. I also want to do certain things. I want to do everything. I was scared to move on. And I was not sure if God was able to help me where I was planning to go or where he was sending me, if he could help me as he helped me here. But as soon as I said yes, things started to fall in place. We are scared to move on and to allow God full control in all the areas of our life. We want to hold on to the familiar and to know if you're really seeking a deeper relationship with God, then you have to move on. Away from, ah, oh, you know, this is who I am. I'm this, this is my age, this is where I want to be. You have to move on and allow God to, to take you further. Move away from yourself and move towards Him. I don't know who's done parachuting or bungee jumping, but there's many people that's willing to do that, just to jump out the plane or hang on a piece of rope like this. 
<laughs> but very few of us will take the chance to put everything, your life, in the, on here. With this, I want to close then. We all hear the word spiritual growth often. And I think that's just what I wanted to say this morning. There's a path to walk. God is walking with us. And he's guiding us and showing us different areas in our lives. I wanted to say when I started, I'm going to speak about three areas in my life. And I was tempted to say, if we spoke about my wife, we might be busy the whole morning about all the areas there. But I'll only... <laughs> I'll only spoke about three areas that God, where I felt challenged in. And I'm just going to say them again. Obeying the word of God is not a futile thing. It is the very thing that will bring you life. It will lead you to worship and praise. When you become honest with yourself, it's going to cut deep. Repent of your sins. Allow yourself to be exposed and be confident in Christ as He gently guides you on. Thank you for joining us. www.handsatwork.org